We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, friends. Welcome to Mavs Moneyball Group Therapy. This is Kirk Henderson, editor-in-chief of MavsMoneyball.com, though those of you who are here likely already know that. We're coming to you Saturday night, fairly early, earlier than last time, because I managed to figure out some of my technical difficulties. Um, the Mavericks played kind of a slog fest of a game against the Raptors, where the first half they looked like they were new to basketball, and the second half they seemed to figure out at least what basketball used to look like for them and ended up pulling out a pretty mixed win. I think at this point a win is more important than anything else because had they lost two in a row, I probably would have gone on a much more fun tirade on Josh and I's show. Um, but here we are, and we wanted to get together and talk about things and see what people think. Uh, I found over the last two days, the, the, the discourse as it is with people who I enjoy talking basketball with is very, very mixed where there's a fair number of fans who want to give this more time. And before I give people, let people come up on stage, I will say, that the first six quarters of basketball this season was a combination of bad process paired with players who can't do the process. Dorian Finney-Smith should never post up in any part of the multiverse, yet he did it again tonight for some reason. We have to move past some of these concepts of we need to get the ball out of Luca's hands because I understand what people mean by that. But if the Mavericks aren't going to change up the players who are executing that, uh, who are executing the new scheme, you're going to get worse results. Luca, and, and this is going to upset people because I, I, I don't think people like this kind of uh, elitism, but it's simply a fact. 
Luca is so much better than the next best Mavericks basketball player. It is not close. So by taking the ball out of his hands for consistent periods of time, you're basically kneecapping yourself. I don't understand it. I do get why people want to do it, but if that's the case, go get better players. All right. If you disagree or you want to come up on stage and uh, you know make a statement, ask some questions, feel free. Remember the way that the app works is that when you come up on stage, it will mute you. So be sure to unmute so I don't have to ask, even though that always happens. It's fine, though. Okay, coming up first is Brett. Hey, Brett, how you doing? Uh, doing pretty well. I was pretty frustrated, you know, through the whole first half. Um, but then it seemed like, I don't know, after about the first two minutes of the second half, the offense kind of largely reverted to to last year. At least that was my feeling. Yes, mine too. They, they let Luca play basketball. Yeah, I mean, like, there was no more, like, we're going to – call plays from the sideline and have and have some, you know, post-ups called like every third possession like it was for the first game and a half. Um, and so it was more of that like free-flowing offense uh, with, with Luca. And and they also – well, the other thing I noticed is that they started having um, – I mean, they, obviously they, they ran more pick and roll. Uh, they started having like maxi set screens at like mid-court, which yep. helped a lot, especially because – the Raptors were picking up Luca, kind of, kind of from there. Um, I thought Porzingis, obviously on offense, especially in the first, like, so some of it was just he just he just missed some shots. Like in the first half, there were still a few of those, like poor, like bad post ups. Though they did get him some touches down, like really close to the basket, and like ones where he didn't. Yes. Yeah, I agree with that. The, there was no 17-foot nonsense. The one that he made, um, there was a real pretty turnaround from, like, the second peg. I mean, he's, he's 10 feet from the basket at that point. Like, that's that's a post-up where Porzingis doesn't have to dribble, where he can turn and be 7-foot-3. That was nice. Yeah, and and I felt like, again, he was just like just like in the first game, he was very active on defense. And I said Great because, on defense. Like, I, Really was. He what? was great on defense. And I think uh, that's why I haven't yeah. been kicking the shit out of him on Twitter. As Yeah, I mean, because, because I remember, like, you know, late in last season in the playoffs, I mean, like, my sentiment, and I think yours and a lot of other people's, was just, like, if, if he's just, like, fine on offense and good on defense, and that's what you need. Like, the Mavericks, again, if assuming they can do something about the – Offensive issues of the first game and a half. Like, they don't need him to be, you know, an elite offensive player. Right. They need him to be fine on offense and not a liability on defense. And I think yeah, he, and, and he has he's been He's been good on defense. I, I think that yeah. that's worth noting because last last season we were just like, okay, he needs to not suck. And, and it's progressed back to where I feel like he's in 2019-20 form, at least defensively early, which is nice. I, I will say that that I, there has to be a little bit of a positive regression coming for him. He's shooting, uh, after those two makes, something like 11 of 32 from the floor this season so far. It's something ugly. And, and on two-point shots, it's really rough. So, I mean, he's going to bounce. Like, there's going to be a regression game for KP where, you know, I get anyone and their uncle gets, you know, oh, this is why you can't trade him because he's going to hit like seven of 11 from three after. Because right now he's shooting roughly 20% from three. It's really rough. But, but that, that'll come back around. Yeah. I mean, like, he's not going to, 
yeah, he's not going to. I mean, he, he'll be you know upper thirties, three percent shooter, I'm, like three point shooter, because that's just what he's been for his whole career. Um, like I'm not like sure. worried about that at all. I don't know. I think yeah, like the first half, the offense was still was was still bad. Obviously, did you, like you did you see the the quote from Kid saying when when I, I forgot maybe it was Nick who asked him. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, yeah. Why, why? Why aren't? Why isn't anyone else playing? Was kind of Nick's quote because the like, box score. Like is, the box score looks like playing? the box score looks like something out of a 1990s basketball game. It's amazing. It's a Tom Thibodeau box. Score. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, because I, I was thinking, like in the second half, I was like, "Well, I like the rotations a lot better." And then I realized that's just because the starters have played. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I agree. Yeah, but but I mean. I mean that is like I don't understand. It doesn't make any sense to me why Bullock wouldn't play. Like I get, I get he missed some preseason, but like playing, you know, fifteen minutes a game and get, and and also having like zero plays ran for him, getting like basically no touches was just bizarre. right. Well, we're gonna see there. I didn't really like that answer from Kid, but to, in Kid's odd defense, um, he is going to like Rick Carlisle would have also done that to Nick, so. Just because coaches don't like those kind of questions, so what are you going to do? Yeah, I I just feel like you can't do that. I mean, like like I I feel like it's the kind of thing that lots of older and good coaches do. That like when you have have had success, it's a you know it's an acceptable thing. Like when like you know Bill Belichick or something, or Nick Saban or some or like or Carlisle or whatever says something. But when it's like your second game, like as coach of a team, like I, I mean I get that that's just like who he is, but. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for hanging out. You got anything else? Nope, thanks for having me up. All right. Okay, coming up next, and just so everyone understands, I'm going to try to bring new folks on. Um, I really want to encourage people to join this and have fun. Um, for those of us who don't do things on Saturday night or on Saturday and Friday nights, etc. So I see a new name here, Davis. Davis, how are you? Good, how are you? Great, thank great. You. Thanks for joining us. Of course, of course. So I'm um, I'm a big kid skeptic, and um, the first 1.5 games, I it was really a big travesty. I'm just watching this horrible offense. Um, really got me worried about the future of the franchise. But fortunately, I think the second half really showed. We kind of went back to that Rick offense where Lucas centric, Luca Hilo centric offense where you let him do the work, let him find the open man. So hopefully, I'm very big, very skeptical about this after watching Kid Butcher, Giannis, and the Bucks for three plus years. You know, I'm very skeptical that he's going to learn his lesson, but hopefully, he has seen through the second half that letting Luca work, spacing the floor out for him, using Powell as a roller, right? Don't have mm-hmm. Paolo out there if he's not going to roll. If he's not rolling, he shouldn't be out there. Um, so spacing the floor for Luca. Hopefully he's learned his lesson and that that's the way to play. So that's encouraging to me in the second half. But also it's kid, and he could go back to his same old philosophy of having two big men in the paint next game. So I'm, I'm skeptical but hopeful about you know the future going forward. Um, but it's it's gonna. I think it'll be an up and down season and. If he can center the game around Luca and let him work, it'll be great. But if not, then you know, hopefully, defense improves and we go back to Luca spacing the floor and things like that. But I'm—I um, really don't know what to think the, anymore. Um, 
Well, we only got two games, and and I think that it's funny. I think that had he gone with anyone other than Powell as the fifth starter, he probably could have bought himself a little more time. Powell yeah. is just terrible on defense, and mm. if he's not doing the thing he's good at on offense, he's essentially a sixth defender exactly. because yep. he's a traffic cone. And he just mm-hmm. I saw him bring his man to the ball way too often the first two games. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, what did we learn from space? Like, Luca destroys teams with space. And frankly, so does Brunson, so does Tim Hardaway. And it's like some of the clunky stuff where there's like three guys within 12 mm-hmm. feet. It's like, that can't happen. Yeah, and that's what I don't understand. The Rick's, whatever, you can criticize Rick for his personnel, um, the way he treats people, things like that. Yes, okay, and we can agree on that part. But when it comes to his offensive philosophy, it's flawless. It's 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 he he made Powell into a like a plus player. Like you know, he used Powell as a cutter. Uh, he you know he he would he would uh, he would run the pick and roll, get the screen, and then and the only skill Powell is good at is running to the rim and catching lobs, and that's what Rick used him as. And now, if you're going to have him out there as a starter, you have to use him that way. If not, yeah. then he's useless. He's absolutely useless. He's a horrible defender. He can't rebound, and he can't do, and he can't space the floor. So if he's not cutting, he's useless. So either use him that way or don't use him at all. And and so again, uh, again, I, I'm watching. You know, the Pacers score hundred you know, 20, 20 points a game with two of their starters out. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm envious of that. So I'm just hoping uh, for the best and hoping that, um, and I know Rick was an asshole and things like that, but I'm just still so dumbfounded that we, we hired Rick, um, but we hired a kid. I'm just so dumbfounded. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I just don't understand. It, we could hire anybody. It's... Keep Mosley. Do something else. But a kid is it, it bothers me to this day, and I, I'm just hoping for the best, but I'm expecting the worst. It's basically my philosophy here. Well, thank you for joining us, and I hope you come back. Of course, of course. Thanks for having me, Kirk. Uh, always uh, I followed you for a long time, and uh, even though I'm actually a KP, I'm more higher on KP than you generally are, but uh, I, I, I love your, uh, generally agree with your take, so thanks for having me. Thanks, buddy. Talk soon. All right. Coming up next, got a whole list. Wow, y'all are talking to tonight. Chris, how you doing? Hey, Kirk, how you doing? I'm feeling okay. You know, it's nice to get a win, and I didn't, I didn't have any technical difficulties in my first uh, podcast before this. The preview, Josh and I recorded for like a half hour the other night, and then it went into the void. Then we had to record again. <laughs> well, it's good to get that first win just on the second game because you know how weird se- when seasons start. Any team could lose. Any good, any bad team can win. I mean. I mean, the Hawks won the night against the Cavs. I mean, it just – it's good to get that win, at least the second game. Instead of going like 0-4, oh, 0-5, like, what are we doing? And then finally get the win, so. Um, do, do you remember um, – this is this is for really old, but – Oh, you went 0-6 oh, in the 06-07? Oh, the yeah, 07 <laughs> They started out 0-4, and, <laughs> and it was just like the okay, world was ending. I remember because it was like my first year out of college, and all I was doing was I had no friends where I lived, so I was just like watching the Mavs and being upset to no one because there was, you know, like there I, I wasn't on any message boards or anything. Ugh, yeah, that was bad. And then we, what do we go? 67 and 15 that season. They huh? went on – after they went 0-4, they went – Fifty-two and four. After that, it was incredible. Man, those were the days, and it just sucks that you lose against the Warriors the next year. 
<laughs> oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Just uh, just a couple things. I mean, is there any realistic? I mean, I know it's early in the season, but we've talked about some of the stuff in the off season. But any realistic trade scenarios? I mean, I know we owe that draft pick to New York, uh, the second one. You know, in twenty twenty two, is there anything that we could get? Because I know these bad teams, or maybe slightly mediocre teams that are that might struggle early in the season, they might want to you know, get some trade assets or some draft picks. I mean, is there any realistic trade scenarios you think that midseason we can get another playmaker on this team? I mean, obviously we'd want Gorin, but anybody else that you could think of offhand? So I'm bad at this, but Lauren Gunn wrote four people you should kind of keep an eye out for that that it's on the site from maybe five or six days ago because it was right around the time that that rookie extensions, like the deadline was, and it was the day that Aiton didn't get his and uh, the guy in Memphis got his, and it was four people that were all they're expensive targets, but but people that were worth kind of keeping an eye on. One was I think PJ Washington out in um, Charlotte, which would have been he's just kind of the He's a he's he's an interesting fit, and I, I really I don't I don't want to speak too much on him because I don't I don't want to mis, misstate any aspect of his game. But he's the kind of like like rangier guy that that Mavericks fans have lusted after for a while. Um, gosh, one of the Spurs guards was someone, but the Spurs would would make us pay a blood tax to trade with them. Oh yeah, did, did I think so. And there's a couple that are worth watching, but it's your first one is one that that you mentioned. Like I think Goran is still the guy, mainly not because he's necessarily good at basketball, but the Mavericks need a vet. That's something that's like really sticking with me through these first two games. Is there's nobody out there that's the guy that's settling people down. They don't have that role at all. And if they're going to play like a seven and a half yeah. man rotation, the oldest guy in that rotation at this point is Tim Hardaway, maybe. It's it's like a bunch of guys in their mid twenties. Like there's no guy who's seen some shit, okay. and I think that that matters over the course of of the year. So I guess the Raptors they're they're just wanting draft picks. I mean we don't really have much to offer them. I mean because they're not wanting to get you know better as far as getting players. It's hard, man. I don't know if they're that far away. Like like they have some offensive uh lot like structural issues, but they have good players. Like that Scotty Barnes guy. My goodness. He is shush. Like you yeah. imagine that dude on the Mavericks, we'd be like freaking out about how good he is. Oh. But yeah, just God helps if Luca oh, man gets hurt, has to lose, just you know, not all sit out five games. I mean, I, we're we're in trouble if sure. that happens. We, we gotta get another playmaker. Oh, last thing, just uh yeah, we're dodging some bullets here with KP falling down. Those are some bad falls <laughs> of that uh, you know, going back and forth. I guess it was in the first half. There was just some crazy plays happening. You, Seemed like he fell down like twice. I'm like, oh my god, don't get injured. Every time he falls, every time he falls, Anthony Davis has the same problem. Where every time he falls, it's like watching Andre the Giant in 1984. Whenever Hogan puts him on the ground, and it's like, <laughs> oh, he's not getting up. It's just, it's not happening. And then he does. Yeah, like, okay, yeah. this is fine. But it. And, and la- lastly, has Dwight Powell only made like one and one play in like the last thousand? I mean, he, I swear to God, he can never get that and one. Like every time he comes in and gets fouled. I mean, I've never, I don't think I've ever witnessed. He did one. get one in game one. His only made basket in game one was an and one from, from Jalen Brunson. It was an alley-oop, but I know what you mean. Uh, it feels like when he misses, it's like, Oh, the alley-oops. Yeah. But it's just like the layups. Oh, like no, the way. He has, yeah. every time. no, it's, uh, it's a dunk or a miss. There's nothing, there's nothing in between there, but that's all I have. Let's just get this win on Tuesday against the Rockets. Let's- Thanks a lot. Yes, okay. Coming up next. And remember just hit that, uh, 
um, request button. We're going to pump through some folks. I don't really want to do this for an hour tonight, um, but I can if you guys really need to talk things out. Um, coming up next, Mavs Moneyball contributor, Matt Phillips. How are we doing, buddy? I'm pretty good. I'm going to try to actually be relatively quick for once. Um, so, Liar. not really am. Uh, the, the thing you already touched on it a little bit, but it's just, it's mind boggling to me that people keep saying like, if we had different players, this stuff would work like the Tim Cato tweet in response to, uh, Ben when he's like, Oh, you know, you can vacate the strong side corner to create. And if the Mavs just had more, like if they had quick twitch guards, it would work. The problem is they don't. And so it doesn't matter how well something might work hypothetically with different personnel because you have the personnel you have. So like that just, it's just stunning. Yeah, that is some revisionist history stuff that I will not stand for. And I have to, because I don't want to get into too many Twitter arguments. I'm just like, what are we talking about? If yeah. Josh and I touched it on the podcast, but it's a circular argument where you're, it's either you either like their scheme and think they need better players or you don't like their scheme and are fine with the players. And really the scheme and the players are both not good. <laughs> it's kind of where like Luca is good. It's very complicated for some people because we don't like like sort of the elitist positioning, but you know, LeBron James makes every team he's on an instant contender. That's Luca. It, it shouldn't be this complicated yet. Everyone wants it to be because they, you know, sort of misjudge how good he is as a player or what he can offer. I mean, I do think there are some legitimate criticisms of Luca that I've yet to really hear from anybody this season. Like his defense, he's trying hard, but he's still a damn saloon door. And and that is is, you know, they gotta figure something out there, you know? I actually don't necessarily agree with that. Um he the thing is when he gets beat, he gets beat so bad and so quick. Like he he for the most part, he's actually been I mean, I didn't watch the very beginning of this game because I couldn't get there for work. His but, ball watching was rough. Okay. Uh, it was like like Jason's talking about in the chat. It was it was he was watching some other people. Oh, yeah. But see, like, if you go back to the first game against the Hawks, he had, like, a couple of possessions where he defended so well for, like, 15 seconds. Like, one of the DeAndre Hunter possessions earlier where Stan Van Gundy pointed out. But then he had the play where Trey beat him off the dribble. And I think Trey had beat him before he even dribbled. Like, he just kind of looked right, and Luca wasn't there. He was like, oh, well, that's blow by. And it's just – it's strange because he's actually relatively – uh, gifted because of how big and strong he is, and he's super long. Like we don't think of him that way because he's a little chubby, and so the skinnier you are, the longer you look. But he he was very high in deflections after the first game. I'm sure he'll be high today. He led the Mavs in shots contested in the first game. Him and KP tied with 11. That's um, a good stat. Yeah, he, which is very rare. He was like, I think there were only two or three wings that contested more than 10 shots in the first game. And like out of league wide, not just Mavs wide. And he was one of them. He contested a lot of shots. And that's one of the things he normally does is that he really in his career, except for in the playoffs, he hasn't contested threes for the most part. He's kind of treated everybody like the bad. Yeah, he saunters. Yeah, I I know what you mean, where he just kind of casually does like the fat guy run out to the three point line. And I, he has actually, I mean, it is funny for, to be think, talking about an NBA player, like it's impressive that he puts a hand up against a contestant, but he does, he has been doing that a little bit early. I'm actually a little curious to see how long he keeps it up. Cause he's looked pretty gassed to me at the end of both of these games. Um, and then the, the last thing is that they're going to, 
I think they are going to figure the offense out. It'll be a while. It'll take way longer than it should. Then when it finally, when the obvious stuff clicks, that we're going to get some articles that, oh, kids figured this out. And I'm going to be annoyed about it at the time because all of it should have been obvious from the beginning. But at some point this year, Maxi Kleber will re- either Maxi or Bullock will replace Powell in the starting lineup and the spacing will be better. Because if you remember when Kid was the Nets coach, about halfway through the year, some injuries happened and stuff. And he went to a really weird hybrid lineup where they played a really big backcourt and a really small frontcourt where it was, I'm trying to remember who all it was, but it was like Pierce and Kirilenko and somebody else were the, were the like guards and forwards. And then they were the biggest people on the team. And I think that's, what's going to happen here is that eventually he'll go to like basically just the same lineup, but with Maxi instead of Powell or with Bullock instead of Powell and Dorian moving up to the four. And when we do that, just the spread pick and roll with Luca is just, it's going to work. And so because KP looks better defensively, I feel I am still optimistic though. Man, some of this stuff is hard to watch and that's really all I've. Thanks buddy. And uh, you should check out Matt's work at mavsmoneyball.com. He wrote our, uh, I want to say tonight, it's like five stats to know. And one of them is the fact that the 90, the, the, I think I said this already, but who cares? I, I, I beat jokes into the ground. Um, the, the box score tonight looks like something out of the, the 1990s. It's really amazing. Um, okay. Coming up next, Ooh, we got a new newbie coming up folks. Uh, some of you know her from around the internet. It's Mavs Marie. Anna Marie, how are you? T- Hit that unmute and unmute button down there at the bottom. That's Okay, I'm here, everyone. <laughs> I know you got bullied. You got bullied up on stage. I I, I appreciate your I, willingness to to join. The- oh my god! <laughs> but I'm here because I feel like I just had so many thoughts watching the beginning of the game. Like, I mean, I've watched this team my whole life, and just seeing the disaster that started, like, I'm still in shock that we won. Um, <laughs> but they were real I, bad. It was it was sixteen. To two, no, it wasn't sixteen to two. At one point, there were more there were more turnovers than points that the Mavs had, and I'm like, I I don't know what's happening. This is this is ridiculous. Um, but I think my main concern was just watching Willie Cauley Stein. There are a lot of things that were bad, but Willie Cauley Stein just really. I don't know how he's getting more minutes than Moses Brown, and it may be he plays like he's on gummies. Yes. <laughs> Uh, I don't want to accuse anybody of anything, but that man just looks like, huh? What's a basketball? It's been. Yeah. And it's like, they're investing so much time with Tyson Chandler into Moses Brown. And it's just like, okay, you're investing into this player. When are we going to see some action? And like what we saw in preseason was, you know, fantastic. I loved it. I want to see more. And all we're getting is like the same really odd lineups. And, um, I don't know the lineups tonight and it may just be the tinkering and you kind of have to trust, but I, I don't have a lot of trust right now. (laughs) I mean, I think the answer is neither does Jason Kidd because one of the rubs on him, particularly in Milwaukee is dudes that were down the bench. So we're talking away from Chris Middleton, away from even Giannis back then he beat the hell out of mentally and just was unkind. Try to get them, try to get them moved out. If you, if I really recommend, well, 
if you want to keep your sanity, maybe you should pass on reading the Honest Antetokounmpo book that Mirren Fader wrote. But there's enough Jason Kidd stuff in there to make you go, oh, my God. And one of it was how he treated. I've seen enough of the hot. Oh, yeah. And one of it was how he treated guys down the bench. And so it's like Willie played three minutes and then Willie went firmly into the phantom zone. I mean, they played six. They played seven. Yeah. It, it's just it makes me wonder, OK, well, if Willie played like that and then we see Dwight Powell the way he plays, it's just like, why can't the same thing happen to him? <laughs> you, you know, you kind of have that optimism. Like, I think Dwight Powell is a great player coming off the bench. I think he can do some really good things. It's just finding where he fits is so difficult. And with the new coach, I think Rick Carlisle kind of figured it out towards the end of the season. Um and then uh, coming in with a new coach, it's like we're having to do the same thing over again with Dwight Powell. Like, where does he exactly fit? Um, it, it's so. So the one thing about Moses that I, I think is worth at least discussing, Jason in the chat is saying, well, he's really bad at defense. He's really bad at defense. Well, I mean, at this point, so is Maxi. So give me someone who tries hard over someone who looks clueless, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, I, y'all know I'm a big Maxi supporter, but – I think he also is looking a little bit clueless too. Like, yes, he has that once in a blue moon uh, three point shot that makes it in, luckily, but I think he's kind of wandering around as well. Um, there's mm-hmm. a lot of. Water. I don't like where he is with the rotation. <laughs> I, I think if you swap out him and Powell just to give it a look, um, mm-hmm. that at least. I don't want to know if it mitigates kind of the, the overarching problems, but it at least gives us something new to bitch about. And I'd, I'd, like, I've just seen this lineup, we've seen it before. I don't want to see it anymore. Yeah, I just, with KP, I just, it's so weird that Jason Kidd went to Luca and Tim and KP and was like, who do you guys want to start? And I'm, that's great. They're, he's getting the opinion. Um, but at the same time, I think he has to look at these past two games and realize, hey, this isn't working. You know, we were down by a deficit early, big deficits early. And so you just have to... I think he has to take a good hard look at the starting lineup, make some mm-hmm. changes, but I, I don't see that happening. I think uh, Jason Kidd doesn't want to mess with the dynamic of trusting them with their opinion and then changing it after two games. Well, and, and his his one of his overarching challenges, both with Brooklyn and with um, Milwaukee, is that he did things – he. Good NBA coaches will play, will adjust their scheme to the players. He never did that in Milwaukee, which it really says something that when they went from kid to, to bud, they, they like improved by like 20 something. They, they improved by like 15 games. Like it was, it was something. So I'm hopeful though, from the second half, because they, they ran some things that were more familiar, um, simple concepts like high screen and roll with Luka Doncic. And then they started kicking the crap out of the Raptors. So, you know, a little more. There's there's a little there's – some. there's a fair enough amount of positive things to take away from what we saw there. So so uh, then the Rockets are just a, like a tire fire of youth, and they should be able to handle the Rockets, and maybe they can get onto a little bit of a course. The only game that I'm really kind of concerned about in the next several, several uh, is, is, the, is the Nuggets game. Oh, yeah. 
Well, I had an opportunity to get some tickets, and I'm kind of glad I'm passing that up because if I was that close to the team and I have some sort of emotional breakdown, it wouldn't be pretty. (laughs) So, great, be great content though. We would, you know, Mavs fan loses her mind on the road. Uh, Uh, Well, thank you for joining us. Do you got any other hot takes? Uh, no, I, I mean, I, I should, but I think there's a lot to process and. I do. I think we all should be patient, but it's hard when we care so loudly and we are not a big fan of Jason Kidd right now. So we're all being very hypercritical, but I think that's okay. He doesn't have a good track record and we should be hypercritical. We are the fans. We're allowed to be like that. So dang right. Yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of it. And thanks for dropping me the link. Cause otherwise I wouldn't have joined. <laughs> Well, yeah, please do. These, these these rooms are particularly spicy after losses when we're all like just whiny sacks. And there's something better, at least for me, my head feels a lot better after being in here than after being on Twitter where it's just instead of reading takes, you're kind of discussing it. And it's like, okay, you know what? It'll be fine because in the end it is just basketball. But like we all invest way too much time in this team. So you know, it, it's, it's fun to talk. Well, thank you for joining yeah. us. Of all right, talk soon. Okay, coming up next got a lot of folks let's uh let's whip through it alex how you doing doing good tonight kirk how are you i just have a couple thoughts to share about the whole jason kidd schemes everything it's i see kid as kind of an idealist and he gets married to the idea of you know every player should be able to do everything on offense you know we're gonna have people take shots they're not used to taking and everything when it's just not realistic there's one person on this roster who can take pretty much any shot on the floor, and it's Luka Doncic. That's right. There's one person who can take those shots. It's like when you've got Dorian Finney-Smith posting up, and it's like, I damn near lost my mind. I don't think I joined after the Hawks game. But when I saw Dorian pass up an open three, dribble pass, and take a pull-up two, I damn near turned the game off. I was close. I, I was so close. <laughs> I get it. I get it. The, the Dorian Dorian is such a like he and I love him. He's one of my favorite. He's one of the two players that I have a jersey of, Luca and Dorian. I and love he finished, him, but God. he was a plus twenty. He was a plus twenty in the second half because he stopped doing crazy crap and just played played the stuff that he does. I feel like everybody had a better plus minus in the second half because it went back to what it was last year on offense. And Luca looked yeah. pissed walking into that locker room. So I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but good. I mean, like, I've, I've loved what I've seen on defense from KP moving better. to I mean, even just the defensive identity as a team, it's looked, you know, league average. It's looked decent. If they could just put that together with the offense they've had the past two years, I think they will be a monster of a team to beat. Yeah, I agree with you. And it's, you know, pal, you know, get married to the idea of Porzingis at the four. And it's, you know, they played him for the five a little bit, you know, in the second half, and they just torched the Raptors. You know, I, I it's it's real simple. Basketball is complex to to master, but very simple to understand. And mm-hmm. some of the some of the game breakdown that I saw, I shared this one clip. It was the guy actually torched Luca. I can't remember what his name was. Some guy with like hundred thousand followers. He showed this like three minute clip of how like just clogged things were and then how Luca being off ball where he was just not even trying like those two things put together. It was, 
it was absolutely it was, it was hilarious and so it's you know it's they're they're two things worked too well for too long for them to look like the way they looked the first uh, six quarters of the season so hopefully this is um this is where we're going yeah legend of winning was the guy's handle thank you jesse well alex okay. you got anything else for us yeah just one more thing it's like like i was saying earlier rick had the perfect formula down with Powell. And I do not like him starting because I feel like the team is so much better, at least to start the games. I would just love to see kids start the game with Luca, Tim, Dorian, Reggie, and KP. I just want to see it once. I want to see it happen. Or, fi- or finish, like something. Exactly. And I don't even know how many minutes that entire lineup has played on the floor, but I, it's not a lot. I mean, it is only two games, small sample size, but Powell was so good off the bench last year. I mean, you know, it was March, April, Dwight Powell. But, like, you know, when everybody would start paying more attention to the outside shot and they'd bring Powell off the bench and he'd go, like, five for five right, on pick and roll with Luka and just start destroying things. I think it was one of the Lakers games when we played them back-to-back last year. It like, was. They put Dwight Powell in and just went nuclear. It was, it like, was one of the games where he finally looked – alive after being dead for most of the year. Yes. That's the role I want him in. And I think he's damn good when he's in that role. Not starting. (laughs) We'll see though. Well, thank you, Alex. Hope you come back. No problem. See you next time. All right. Coming up next. Cato, my man. How you doing tonight? Hey, Kirk. How are you? Listen, Kirk. um, I was very frustrated watching this game just for the fact that I feel like this game should have been a blowout if we had Rick Carlisle coaching this um, this team today. Listen, you know, one of the things that made me irate, almost ma- made me turn off the game, was I felt like Jason Kidd didn't learn anything from the first game. Like, this game should have been a blowout. The skill level that we have in comparison to the Toronto Raptors is very high. With just Luca alone, Luca is miles better than anybody on the Raptors. And for everything to go through um Porzingis in the first and in, in, when the first and second quarter like it did when we faced the Atlanta Hawks last game, the Atlanta Hawks lost to the Cleveland Cavaliers when they played them today. Like if they lost to the Cleveland Cavaliers, we should have beat them the first time we played them this season and to continue with my 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 original argument you know i felt like we should have made things simple the mavs are forcing things making everything congested it's just very um hard to watch when the mavs are not running things through luca even though we don't have a second playmaker i felt like if we wanted things to um run like jason kidd wants Start Brunson and put him in the starting lineup with Luca. At least we'll have two um, playmakers and we'll be able to run the Jason, the offense that Jason Kidd would like to run. But with Tim Hardaway, who's not who's not pass first, and Dory Finney Smith, who wants to be like Tim Hardaway, and all this all this other um, nonsense is just not working. And I saw KP post up on um, Fred Van Fleet. Fred, it was so Fred the tank. I would. That dude's like six three and like two thirty. It was it was so embarrassing. I was like, KP spin, drop step, dunk. What are you doing? Like, it. I I saw, I saw how Joel Embiid played versus the Nets, 
And then I saw how KP played against the the Toronto Raptors. It was so embarrassing. I'm like, like there was a tweet on um on Twitter. It, it was a tweet on Twitter, and it was like, who showed KP how to play in the post? Because it was just embarrassing. It's tough, and and I think one of the things we're gonna have to sort of deal with with KP for the first several weeks is they're just gonna force feed him the ball. Part of me thinks, and this is just my conspiracy theory brain, that they need to show him that he is not the player he thinks he is. His shooting so far this year is piss poor. And, you know, he he talked – I mean, I didn't even catch this because if I did, I would have gone ballistic during the postgame. But after after the the Hawks game, he talked about how he liked the offense and how he liked that he got his touches. Motherfucker, you lost by 30 points. Like, get out of here. What are we doing? (sighs) Absolutely. Nobody nobody kills Absolutely. him on that stuff because everyone's like, oh well, it's important that he's happy. And and I just for anybody in here that that watches Secession, like treating him like uh, like he's he's daddy's number one boy is is just it's going to end in ruin. But I think that that we need to at least like I, I honestly think I, the more I say it out loud, it has to be true. Like they're just going to show him that he is in fact not that good at this stuff. Now the flip side of this is. I honestly think he's going to catch fire at some point. Like he is a very skilled player and he goes on these runs. His entire career is built off of 10 to 12 game stretches out of every 60 where he looks like God mode. And then it's like, Oh, he can only play like this. Well, the problem is, it's like he has his sliders turned up during those periods. You can't do that all the time. Anyways. Exactly. And the problem is he can't sustain it, especially when the good teams haven't figured out. And then he just looks like um, he just looks like um, some G leaguer who never played in the NBA once in their life. Sure. But, you know, but but he does enough where like they're freaked out by shooting. So, you know, he's two of 10 from three or whatever. And that's fine. I don't care. I I would love for him to shoot 10 threes a game because at some point he's going to hit seven of them. And then the Mavericks are just going to run dudes off the floor. So I don't know. I'm all over the place with KP because I'm really pleased with his defense. Like he looks good on defense and that's all I really want. And if, if he shoots these crappy offensive shots, but blocks, you know, four blocks. I don't remember the last time he had four blocks in an official game. So yeah, he's showing his defense from his New York days when he first came, um, start, um, came into the league. So that's very encouraging. Um, my my last point is, and I and I is is the question to throw back to you. Um, how do you how long do you think Luke is going to put up with Jason Kidd? Because the only reason why I think that the offense changed in the second half and not stayed the same in the first half was that Luca was incredibly frustrated and. I, f- I feel like the way Luca's demeanor was after we went into the um into locker the room, yeah, yeah, it was like Jason Kidd was like, "Listen, if I don't change how we were operating on offensive end, I think that I might not last." And that's why we went to more simpler action, Luca with the ball in his hands. So, do you think that um, Luca is going to end up, you know, cursing Jason Kidd out, and then Mark Cuban's not going to have no choice but to fire him, or do you think that? Good question. I think that Jason Kidd happened in no small part because Luca wanted him. That does not happen unless Luca he gets Luca's approval. Um, that's why I think it was such a drastic shift because Luca probably wanted Mosley, and then they had to go to somebody that Luca would have approved of. I mean, Igor is is also sitting there. I I also don't think that kid fires fire or a kid gets fired. Um, Cuban is the the double down, don't apologize master. 
you know, if letting him go, even if they started off poorly, there there would need to be a whole season worth of this. And I just don't think it gets to that point. I do think that Luca will probably use his voice as a star to say, okay, this was cute. Let's do the thing where we win games. So. Absolutely. Well, that's everything I had to say. And appreciate you, man. For, no problem. All right. We'll talk soon. Okay. Coming up next, let's get through a few more folks. Cause honestly, guys, I want to go watch TV. Jesse, what's happening? Hey, Kirk. So <laughs> the biggest thing for me, I think was, yeah. So you can't have so many players in the post. There's no reason why you should have games where Dorian Finney Smith and uh, Reggie Bullock and, and Brunson are all in the post and you have Luca trying to create offense, but there's all this clutter in the post and then you can't even pass anything because especially in last game where everything was just picked off because the passing lanes were just nothing. So they cleared that up. We start the game, you know, uh, down two to 16 and then, we're on a, after the first quarter, we're on a 72 point pace for the game. I mean, in the last three quarters since the second half, we were like 46 for 140 from the field. It was awful. They changed the geometry in the second half, thank God, and opened it up. And, and really, the biggest thing for me was Tim Hardaway Jr. went from, from like one for six from the field or something like that to, uh, finishing seven for 11 from three. And I, that's really what kept our lead going and, and won us the game. And, you know, I was talking to, you know, Mavs Moneyballs, Lauren Gunn, she was on my pod last week. And, she, you know, she was talking about the keys for how the Mavs can win uh, and, and contend this year. And it was basically what she said was basically all Tim Hardaway Jr., you know, uh, like our shooters got to be able to shoot and if they, they're not going to be able to shoot if, if you have no space and, and they're just being completely bullied or, or they can't shoot threes if they're in the paint. <laughs> so, I mean, opening that up, it was like, okay, this is two different teams. It was like, it was like Jason Kidd was trolling. Yeah. us. like, we're going to do this opposite of what Carlisle does and I'm going to get fired and this is all doomsday. And then we just, do it the right way, and then we look fine again. It was it was bizarre. Well, he he's talked such a big mess about the three point shot needing to matter less or them take fewer. And the reason they won tonight is because they hit a lot of threes. Um, you know, they they did real well in the second half on threes, and that was the difference in the game. It's it's really that simple. I get the broader implication of. In the playoffs, threes are not necessarily going to be there because defensive coverages are going to be tighter. You're going to be playing against better, more athletic opponents, so the space, yada, yada, yada. But the, but that's not really a good reason to shoot some of the shots they were shooting. And, you know, Hardaway went 7-11 from distance, and he's, you know, kind of the, the key factor behind why the Mavericks, you know, kind of escaped because the, the Raptors were really, you know, putting screws to, to Dallas. But I don't know. The, the scheme stuff is going to – we're just going to need to see more of it. Um, I'm hopeful that, that they come into, you know, the, the uh, Rockets and try more of what they did in the second half tonight. I doubt they will. I just do. I, you know, they need to get a fair amount of tape under their belt to, 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 to make the point. I mean, it, I got two days worth of small sample size, small sample size, small sample size. And I, I get it, but 
I'm also not a moron. And Dorian Finney-Smith shot two post-ups last year. Why would he shoot more than that in a game? Yeah, you know, and the thing that really uh, is going to be the key this year is I, I get what – I like you said, I get what Kid is trying to do, but he needs to ease that in. Going into a full different offense, you could tell everybody on the court was confused because it's one thing when we're playing doing this in preseason and we're exhausting the whole roster. But if you look at the the chart today, it's did not play coach's decision all the way down for half the roster. And that's even worse than Carlisle was. So it's gonna be interesting if Kid is playing like his job's on the line, how that's gonna affect his coaching going forward. So that's all I got. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right. Coming up next, maybe a few more folks, then I'm going to go to bed. Sam, what's up? What's going on, Coach? How you doing, man? Oh, not not a problem. Uh, so I'll, make, I'll try to make it quick because I know you, uh, you know, want to watch TV like I am right now. Um, but a um, couple of things. First of all, I think this whole narrative started last year probably, well, probably like within the middle of the season with Kendrick Perkins and then – Donnie Nelson said it on the, you know, after season, like, you know, news conferences or whatever, where they were like, well, Luca needs to share the ball more. Luca needs to share the ball more. Even though for the last two years, we've literally had what a top five offense in the league as far as offensive rating is concerned. So, like, that whole narrative, I really think is kind of shaped it to where people thought, well, Luca needs to get the ball more to people like KP and, you know, let him operate and do this or whatever. Well, you know, if you can't do something at a certain point, you just got to stop trying to do it. So it's just kind of one of those things to where I feel like when Kid came in, they said, well, you know what? We got a new coach. Let's try something new because we want to play And we're going to make it work. It's like, you know, take your head against the wall. He's going to keep hitting it and eventually get percussion. <laughs> so it's just it's, it's one of those things to where I don't get why they're trying to do what they're doing because it's obviously frustrating Luca at this point. And it is just a couple of games, but we can't be starting these games off where we're down 16 to 2 or we're down, you know, 24 to 8 and things like that. It's, it's not going to work. No, no. And, and luckily the schedule's balanced enough, I think, to where the, I don't see a particular stretch at the moment where they're going to have like existential struggles like they had last season, where it's just like, oh my gosh, are they going to win a game? Because I mean, they started out 9 and 14. I still remember. One of the guys at the gym I went to being like, because I wore, I like only have Mavs gear, and he's like, "Man, does your team suck?" I'm like, man, everybody's hurt and COVID. Come on, and, and I don't really see that happening this year. So they're going to work through enough of their problems over time. I think it's kind of got to be the hope. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, we will see. And I guess the last thing I just say about that is, um, I saw it on Twitter, and I forgot who said it, so I don't want to take credit for it. But it literally just hit me when I saw the tweet. It's. It was like it was in the fourth quarter, four minutes left, and it was, I believe, a Hardaway, Finney Smith, Luca, and I want to say it was Brenton and Cleaver on the on the floor. And it just hit me that like, man, besides Jason Kidd and besides added adding Bullock and Sterling Brown, we literally have the same team. <laughs> it's literally the same exact team. And you know, Bullock and Brown don't they've only played what? Literally like six minutes each half for the most part. So it's it's the same exact damn team, man. <laughs> it's just frustrating. I mean, that's been Josh's like deal going on. I want to say two years now, and there, I, I just don't know what, what we're supposed to do with this because it 
you know, I, I still remember something over the summer where it was, I think, like Chuck Cooper's team being like, well, can't can't we bank on some internal development, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, okay, maybe, I don't know. But, you know, maybe in a week we'll be looking and there'll be something like seven and three and we'll just be in a better headspace. Yeah, I, I try not to get hyped up about everything too much. But, hey, you know, I love basketball and I just think I want the Mavs to do well like everybody else does on this chat. So I think we're just venting our frustrations about how basketball can be so easy, but yes, sometimes some people make it really difficult. That's right. Well, thanks, Sam. Talk to you soon, Hope. Mm-hmm. All right. Last but not least, Manuel. Hit the unmute button. All right. Maybe you didn't want to join. No big deal. Okay, guys. Fun as always. Uh, podcast schedule. I'm going to try to have somebody because we have a weird two-day break again. Then the Mavericks play Tuesday for uh, – they play Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and then Sunday. So we're not going to have a lot of break from one another in the coming days. A lot of Kirk in your life. I apologize in advance. Uh, This has been Mavs Moneyball Group Therapy where we're now one and one Everybody should feel good. Enjoy their Sunday. No Cowboys. You can watch a, a, a better team than the Kansas City Chiefs and enjoy yourselves. Everyone have a good weekend. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.